A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode where today I'm joined by a lady from the United States of America, a very modest lady, by the way. Now, I've had the, I can say that, listeners, because I've had the benefit of, um, you know, a five, just a five or ten minute chat. And hopefully you'll understand as the conversation, as the dance goes on, why I've made that statement, a very uh, humble lady. So without further ado, Dr. Patricia Wolf. Patricia, very warm welcome to you. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. I'm very happy to be here. And this insightful influencers episode, listeners, um, well, I'm I'm not going to sort of dive too deep other than to say that this lady has done some remarkable things. Patricia, I kind of want to, you know, I want to hand over to you and just tell us one or two of the little small things you've done. Um, Well, you know, I... I always wanted to be a missionary doctor from the time I was 12 years old, but that didn't, that wasn't really in the cards. I got married, I had children, I had a practice in the United States. And in uh, 1988, when my kids were 11 and 14 years old, um, they were becoming um, consumers. I mean, you know, how come we don't have this? How come we don't have that? And, and I would say, you know, we have more than 99.9% of people in the world, you know, get a grip, don't, you know, you need to be content with what you have and just grateful. And they would roll their eyes. And I said, you know, this is the time for us to go to Haiti. Cause I had been asked to go to Haiti by um, some people in St. Louis, Missouri, where we live um, and to help them out with some projects that they were doing there that uh, were clinics. And I had, I was very busy, very busy, very busy. And I just decided it was time for me to make time to do that. So our whole family went to Haiti in 1988 and it was much worse than I could have imagined. Um, There was like almost zero medical care. Mother Teresa had a home for dying children, a home for dying adults. And they're all, most of them dying needlessly for lack of really, really simple things like an x-ray, an antibiotic, TB medication, malaria medication. And, um, and there was dead bodies on the street that no one would pick up because there were political killings. And there had been five coups in a row um, in the last two years after uh, Baby Doc was unceremoniously uh, um, removed from Haiti by the US government. So it was in really there was chaos and there was violence and there was death everywhere. And our, we were all changed. Our whole family was uh, changed by this. My kids never asked me for any more stuff <laughs> after this. We lived in a little uh, orphanage where the boys, um, the orphan boys um, did all the work. They did all the cooking, the cleaning. This, my, my children, their eyes are like wide. My two boys, my eyes are wide. Like, 
you know, really, hmm, okay, I guess we don't have it so bad. And um, I left there thinking that uh, if I could do something, I should do something. And there, now was the time. And so I came back with a different group of people who did medical things. And um, one week a year, two weeks a year, three weeks a year, four weeks a year, um, for the first 15 years. And then I just thought, you know, this coming to these clinics and giving antibiotics to kids who are sick because they're malnourished, they don't have enough food and they're immune suppressed is just like spitting in the ocean. It's not really doing it. And we really need to treat this malnutrition. And we, we need to do it in a way that economically, um, employs their parents because the root cause of malnutrition, of course, is um, no job, no money for the parents. If they had money, they would be, of course, feeding their kids. Um, so we started very small with um, a little hand grinder and we started making this peanuts, powdered milk, sugar, oil, vitamins, and mineral recipe that my colleague in St. Louis at Washington University had developed over the last couple of years then um, in the, um, in the uh, early, late 90s, early 2000s. And he gave me the recipe and we started making it and it was miraculous. So then what we needed to do was we needed to get bigger and we needed to find uh, people who would, entities, foundations, um, who would give us donations so that we could make it bigger. And then after we, we did that for a while, we had to, we, what we really wanted to do was we wanted to sell this to UNICEF, the world's biggest buyer of this product, which we make and many other people now make, but then only like three entities in the world made it. We needed to get UNICEF as our customer, which meant that we had to get um, connected up to some organization that was more impressive to UNICEF with respect to food manufacturing and food safety than, than our little organization, Medicine Food for Kids, run by me, a pediatrician, not a food scientist, not an industrialist. And so we partnered with Nutriset in France, who was the um, first maker of this and was now reaching out to small entities in the world who were in the countries where the malnourished children lived to help them um, increase their quality, increase or, or assure their quality because we had, we did have high quality. We'd already passed several international food safety audits, but we needed to be connected to Nutriset in UNICEF's mind in order for UNICEF to feel that they could buy from us and not be risking their reputation or risking the health of the children that they were, whose lives they were trying to save. So we, we partnered with Nutriset in France and we made it our business to find people, volunteers, because we didn't really have any money, um, who had not a lot of time to give us, but some time to give us, even if it was nights and weekends at home, designing factories, designing processes, helping us with one form of food safety or another, 
Um, and I cobbled all of that together from um, volunteers over time. And then in all this time, of course, we had Haitian colleagues um, who were our go-betweens between us, the mo mostly Americans um, and the Haitian people and the clinics and the mobile clinics and then the hospital research program that we did. We got some funding from the World Bank to do a research program for partnering with the Ministry of Health. So many, many um, people, thousands of people really with lots of skill sets were involved in this. And now today um, we have um, been a partner with Nutriset since 2010. We started this in 2003. In 2010, we partnered with Nutriset in 2015 or 16, we partnered with UNICEF and um, we now have a uh, 20,000 square foot factory. We make um, 4,000 uh, metric tons a year of, this, of these therapeutic products. And we um, supply all of Haiti. We ship to, we export to 16 countries with UNICEF as our partner. And we have been able to save the lives of over 500,000 children around the world. And we employ 66 Haitians. When we started, we had five Haitians and they were all really thin. And we had cast off scrubs from the scrub suits from hospitals in St. Louis. And they all wore a small, now nobody wears a small. Everybody's got a house. Everybody's got their kids in school. Lots of our employees have motorcycles, like six of them have cars. And uh, so there's been a lot of life saves and economic development with this kind of symphony or orchestra of tech of volunteers and skill sets all kind of meshed together over the, since 2003. Mm. My question to you, Patricia, is this, how on earth can you not call yourself a world game changer? I mean, geographically, obviously the word Haiti has been mentioned uh, and focused upon consistently in, in terms of your work. I'd, I'd actually say vocation. Um, but for me, listeners, just for the benefit of, um, of some context on this and why I introduced Patricia at the top of this conversation by saying, you know, humble, it was the... What's the word I'm looking for here, Patricia? Um, a lack of acknowledgement of being a world game changer. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> Could you say that again, Paul? Lack of acknowledgement? <laughs> yeah, your, your lack of self-acknowledgement about being a world game changer. Well, it, it, it sounds pretty high and mighty, actually. Um, hmm. But, okay. you know, we... We have made, we have saved a lot of lives and we've made a difference in a lot of people's um, lives and um, yeah, but I'm just, I'm the leader of the, of the orchestra, basically. I did it with lots and lots of people who are very willing hmm. and did lots of the, lots of the work. You know, as I said, my skill set, it, my, 
is my primary skill set is being a pediatrician. It's not being mm -hmm. an industrialist. It's not, I'm not an engineer. I've learned a lot though, um, but <clears throat> um, I'm not a fundraiser. I'm not any of those things. But I think that people, um, donors respond to um, the dedication and the um, persistence and the um, commitment. Um, and, you know, want to be part of that. So. Yeah. Interesting, interesting slant. And yet again, listeners, no apologies for repeating, but that's why I alluded to at the top of the, uh, this dance between Patricia and I around the, the humility of um, not acknowledging herself as being a world game changer. And I want to try and give that some context, Patricia, if I may. And it's this, that isn't it true that each and every one of us, that makes a difference to somebody's lives. And, you know, it may not be nowhere near on the monumental scale. And this is monumental. But, you know, what I've listened to, uh, you know, you speak there and obviously the bit of research I've done as well um, in anybody's language is absolutely monumental. But let's park that for a moment and let's talk it down, you know, sort of take it back to real basics of the average person in the street, so to speak. And, and this is an example I've used many, many, many times before, and I've yet to find a more powerful example. And it relates to one of your fellow countrywomen. Well, two of them, actually. Oprah Winfrey um, and, May, and her mentor, Mayor Angelou, around this, and, you know, the word used was legacy. And so the one day Oprah came in, all excited, um, jumping up and down and said to, to Maya, her mentor, this is brilliant. This is my greatest legacy. This new school in Africa for, for girls. And this and that and the other. And she quoted all these very impressive numbers. And the wise old sage that she was, Mayor Angelou, just kept her calm and said, no, Oprah, that's, that's not your greatest legacy. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Honestly, look at the numbers. Wow, this, that, the other. No, it's not. The reality is you don't know what your legacy is. Your legacy is that smile you gave to that stranger this morning in the bus queue. You know, that carrying the bag for somebody, maybe an elderly person at the supermarket. That's your greatest legacy. And you'll never probably live to see it. And that's a true legacy. And that story for me, Patricia, I use that as a strong foundation for certainly the work I do. And then obviously when you came into my consciousness and, and as I said, you know, did a, a little bit of research around, OK, so who is this lady? What's her background? I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, boy, are you a world game changer? You know, you quoted the figure there, half a million children. Half, I mean, it's on your website, half a million children saved. Blimey, if that ain't a world game changer, I don't know what is. Well, um, that, I mean, it's, it, it is profound and, and um, a profound opportunity to be able to save lives. But, I mean, I guess that <clears throat> I'm not arguing with you, really. I'm, but I, I am agreeing with you that 
there's so many ways that all of us affect people and we, mm. and we don't re- I mean for good or for ill probably. Um, but we don't really know that in the everyday example is teachers, you know, I can yes. think of yes, some really, yeah, yeah. Profound yeah. mentorship that happened that they probably didn't even know mm. um, was profound for me, you know? Yeah. You know, um, when, when I was a, when I was a youngster, Patricia, teachers, doctors, nurses, they were referred to in the context of the vocation. And it's obviously a word I've used previously in, in this in this particular conversation between us. But that vocation, that calling, yes, okay, you have to go to university and get your degree to you know become a teacher, to become a doctor, nurse, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But that old-fashioned word, that calling. I mean, do you feel that that's been lost in more modern times? You know, your work that you've done over the years, your your lifetime's dedication, really, Patricia, would you call that a calling? I mean, that was something surely so deep within you that you couldn't just kind of wake up one morning and say, do you know what? I think I'll, I'll, I'll just go to, you know, ET and I'll just do this. and It'll pass a bit of time on. I mean, it's not that at all, is it, surely? No, I, I completely agree that it is, um, that for me, it's been a calling. And I think for, and I can't even explain to you how, <clears throat> how it came to be that way, but I just knew when I was 12 years old, that this is what I wanted to do. And most people don't have that. But, mm. you know, what, what I've found is that they, people stumble along in life and they go this way, they go that way, they go the other way. And they're very mm, kind of distracted and attracted by the shiny objects, you know, Mm. which are usually um, false gods. huh? And, Mm. um, but people don't really know that for themselves. And, but they get an inkling. And so I actually have, in our organization have really benefited from those people who are, have a job, they have a profession, they have education, they have money, they have, um, you know, lots of assets and, uh, but they're not fulfilled. And so they can fulfill themselves in some small or medium kind of a way by actually um, hooking their wagon to meds and food for kids and more or less giving us um, time and energy and money. Right. And uh, so I could not have done the things that I have done um, without the people who want to do a little bit, right. Mm. Many, many people who want to do a little bit because it makes it's, it's what they need for themselves they feel greatly um, enhanced by it. And, uh, and we all, and the organization um, is greatly enhanced by it too. So we all have our little spot in the world and um, all these engine, we've, we've really, really leaned heavily on engineering expertise and um, almost all of it has been free. And so these are people who spent years and years of their lives acquiring this information and this experience and now sharing it with Meds and Food for Kids and Haiti for free. So 
you know, that's a big, big contribution, even though they're not the person that you're interviewing, if you see what I'm saying. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I do, Patricia, yeah. And it's interesting, um, as I say, when I was doing a bit of research, I looked on your website, and there was an interview from October 20, 2020, October the 8th, Dr. Patricia Wolf lifespan interview, and I quote, I'm all about meaningfulness. If I could live a meaningful life for a long, long time, that would be great. That really fascinated me, Patricia, because from my, from my own perspective, I mean, what I did there or what my mind did, it changed that word, meaningfulness, into purposefulness. I mean, this is kind of semantics, but is that is that what the outside world might, might class as being your life's purpose? meaningful yeah i mean i yes i guess so i mean i think purposefulness is a more recent uh word or um kind of goal for people mm. and i guess that i'm you know an older paradigm for me is meaningfulness i mean doing things for myself isn't very meaningful to me i mean i need I need to acquire, I need to go to school because I need to acquire the skills that I need to do something that to me is important. Important is kind of a, kind of a, a synonym for meaningfulness to me. Mm. Mm. And um, there's really much of uh, American culture. I can't speak for other people's culture, but American culture is not important. <laughs> Not, not meaningful, not important. Um, and, you know, we, our whole economy is based on consumerism of stuff uh, that is, that, you know, employs people to the extent it employs people and they have money to do meaningful and important stuff. That's good. But I mean, I don't know. I, it's puzzling to me and it has been since I was a child. Um, why people waste their time because we're really not on this earth very long and um, we only have and we're not guaranteed any any time really um, I as a young person I always had this idea that somehow I would be dead by the time I was 21 I don't know why I had that idea I wasn't really sad about it or anything I just thought you know you can't waste time because you could be dead by the time you're 21. And then I wasn't dead by the time I was 21, but at the age of 26, my both of my parents and three sisters were all killed in a car accident. And it underlined for me one more time, if I needed it, that life was short <clears throat> and you could not waste time. Um, you have to be maxing out every day on what what's meaningful and what's usually meaningful for me anyway is what you could do to make the world a better place not necessarily you know what kind of shoes you could buy or you know um kind of you know things uh things that are very like uh here one day gone the gone the next with with respect to you know whether or not they're beautiful or considered trendy or or whatever so 
I don't, I don't, I know that most people don't think that way, but I don't know why they don't. As a social entrepreneur, Patricia, let me ask you this question. I had a, a fascinating debate with um, somebody recently, somebody I respect immensely, and he's on the global stage. And uh, we had this debate, if you can call it that, around all acts of kindness are selfish. And I disagreed vehemently with that. What's your thoughts, Patricia, about, you know, would you say that from the amazing, amazing lifetime's work that you've done, are you conscious of any element being that from, be it from a selfish perspective? Absolutely. I mean, I think it brings me joy. And so I'm all about um, meaningfulness slash joy for myself. Mm. And, um, and coincidentally, that happens to be um, uh, what people would, would call, um, you know, philanthropy or um, altruism or something like that. I mean, I, I do think that it's, it's a secret. I don't know why it's a secret, but for most people, they don't get that the way to be happy yourself is to give things away, give away your time, give away your skills, give away your um, uh, whatever, whatever you feel that you don't need. Cause you know, I have more than I need. I would never give away, I don't think what I need. I mean, unless it was extraordinarily warlike circumstances or something like that. But I have so much more than I need. And I defined what I need as you know, minimal. And uh, why wouldn't I give it away and just feel good about that? So mm. feeling good, I'm all about feeling good. Mm, interesting slant on things. Interesting slant. So 40,000 40, malnour malnourished children in heat still need help, Patricia. What's, I mean, what's the way forward in the, let's say the short term to, to bridge that gap for those 40,000 young people? Well, you know, I mean, the really in the really big picture in Haiti, at least, um, the um, we can we do our best to. Well, let me say it a different way. So, two years ago, before things started declining politically and uh, civically in uh, in security wise in Haiti, we had decreased the malnutrition rate in the country by fifty percent. In the last two years, it's gone up again by 30% because people um, have lost their jobs. It's not just about all the civil political disturbances. It's also about COVID and um, the lack of visitors and the lack of um, attention and attention being drawn elsewhere and donations being drawn elsewhere. Um, so we are, you know, we need to consolidate and we need to get back to um, taking care of those individual uh, children in the same way that we have been doing, but we also need to um, enlarge ourselves. We need to increase our agricultural programs. Those farmers used to have, the farmers that we deal with now used to have children in our malnutrition programs. And now they grow peanuts for us and they have more income and their kids are not in our malnutrition programs. 
um, the people who, the 66 people who work in our uh, factory um, would, don't have job possibilities elsewhere. So we need to be um, sustainable. We need to keep on keeping on, but you know, there's no such thing as, as no change. You either change in a positive direction or you change in a negative direction. So we need to make plans for um, enlarging our um, consumer, our customer base, which meaning who can we sell to? And also all, finding those kids, um, the 40,000 kids who are often in the last mile, not close to the road. Um, and um, that'll take a lot more uh, fundraising, um, but we're up to it. And we need to switch to solar so that because uh, Haiti's lacking for a lot of things, but not for sunshine. And we have had diesel shortages, which cause us to be shut down um, sometimes for months at a time in 2019 because of civil disturbances. And we just can't do that. We just need to rely on the sun. So we're in the middle of a big push to um, put in solar for 70% of our electrical needs. And that will save us money into the future that, that we can then put into programs for malnourished children and for farmers. Amazing. Patricia, I want to ask you one final question. Uh, but before I do that, I invite you in to share your your contact details, your website, anything at all you know that you feel that uh, would help uh, our listeners to be able to reach out to you and 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 you know find out more about this. Well, the adjectives seem futile to keep saying amazing, wonderful, powerful. It just seems so or futile to just throw you know in, in the practical realities. Of what you're doing but what are you what you know what's your best contact details patricia okay so i think our website um www.m as in mary f as in frank k as in kitten haiti h-a-i-t-i dot o-r-g and those uh, as ever listeners those uh, contact details will be in the in the show notes so the final question then, Patricia, and I call this the elevator question. And I want you to imagine that we've just met in, um, say, in a hotel reception, and then we get in this elevator lift up to the next floor. So in a maximum of 30 seconds, because when we get out of this metaphoric lift, at the, you know, the next floor, we'll never see each other again. So it goes something like this, you know, we've just met. So, Patricia, that's amazing. Thank you so much. But answer me this question, will you, please? You've, create, you've created a fantastic legacy. But imagine that fateful day in hopefully decades to come. When you're taking those last few breaths and you look back on it all, what will be your greatest wish to build on the phenomenal foundational legacy that you've created? What does that look like when Patricia's not here? <laughs> well, I hope that Meds and Food for Kids will still be here and that it'll be run all by Haitians and that um, they will um, uh, still, and that malnutrition will be down to such a tiny amount in Haiti um, that we'll actually be able to take all of our production and send it overseas for children in Africa and Asia. Superb. 
Thank you, Patricia. Thank you so much for being part of this truly, you know, I'm struggling for words now because, as I say, words are futile, in my humble opinion, for the, I was going to say amazing, but I'm back to that futility again, the work that you do, the selfless dedication, the calling, call it what you will. Patricia, thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. And um, we and I appreciate the ability to be able to reach out to more people in the in the world with your blog here so that um, more people can actually um, participate in this really um, extraordinary uh, opportunity to make the world a better place. It's all about raising awareness, isn't it? You yes. Know, whichever yeah. particular path or road we, we're going down. And on that insightful note, listeners, I'm going to sign off by, uh, as I always do at this stage, by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?